0: Hi, this is Steve Davis, and I'm with Don Liverman, and we're talking to Erica Tysinger. And she's got an interesting story about her life and her faith, and we thought you'd enjoy hearing her story. And I've heard a little bit about this over the years, Erica, yes. and I thought it was very interesting and appreciate your perspective on faith and uh, your, your story. You've never forgotten where you came from. I try sure. not to. Yeah. And I've always been impressed by that and appreciate that about you, so... If you want to get started, we'll uh, we'll just make this very informal and we'll talk. We might stop and interrupt at some point. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Go ahead. All right.
1: So I'm going to tr- try to pretend like it's not even recording and we're just having a conversation. There you go. So, um, so I grew up on the coast of North Carolina in a very small community east of Beaufort. So if you were to go northeast from Carrollton until you reach the ocean, that's pretty that's much where I where I grew up. So it's a eleven and a half our car ride um, with children with children without children it 's about nine hours yeah. and forty five minutes no <laughs> stops so um, it was a very, very small community. they're all small fishing villages um, there 's not a lot of uh, money or things like that. I think there was one chain restaurant in my county when I left to go to college it 's grown a lot, my whole family still lives there and um I learned a lot of good lessons growing up Mm -hmm. there. I went to church. Let me back up. I don't ever remember not going to church as a child. I don't remember being introduced. I don't remember ever not knowing that I was supposed to go to church. Mm -hmm. And I went to a very, very small coastal church. To the left of it is a graveyard where all of my great-great-grandparents go So I went there because my mother went there. Her mother went there. Her mother went there.
0: Uh, Was there a denominational brand?
1: It was Disciples of Christ.
0: Okay.
1: I've been to Disciples of Christ churches as an adult, and it's not the same. It was very much a small, southern, very um, strict church. Now, all the people there loved me. You know, my Sunday school teachers were the same people I went to school with. Um, I was... You know, scared to death to do anything wrong because I didn't want to disappoint anyone. Um, But as an adult, I look back and I was a happy kid going to church there, but I didn't go for the right reasons once I got older. Um, Everything about how my faith was shaped growing up and into early adulthood was based off of fear. Um, Truly? Yes. Wow. Fear
0: of... Disappointing
1: people? Fear of disappointing people, that God was upset with me. Fear of God, that God was
0: a mean God?
1: Yes, that God was a mean God. Oh, wow. I went to a revival with my grandmother. I was just about to ask about revivals because I'm picturing all of this in my head. Oh, if the church doors were open, we were dressed and we were made to go. If you missed a Sunday with a friend and you had gone to their church, you had done something wrong in the eyes of, like, my grandmother Because she wanted you at her church and she wasn't mean about it it was just a lot of guilt that i carried with me and so i went to a revival once i was probably about seven years old and they set the pulpit on fire and said if this scares you then you know the flames of hell is what you should be afraid of so from seven you know up through 12 up until the time i was an early teenager I thought anything I did wrong, you know, if I made fun of a friend at school, which was still not a very kind thing to do, but I was a kid, so I'm sure I made mistakes and did those things, I thought I had to be at the altar on Sunday morning and that, you know, I had to make this public scene and cry and just beg and beg and beg that I wasn't going to go to hell. Um, and and that was modeled for you, like other yes. people in the church did this sort of thing. Yes, so that's how you got washed clean every every Sunday. Um, and so it just installed or instilled a lot of fear in me um, and guilt. Yeah. guilt. So I remember being in college, and I was a typical college kid. And um, I basically worked full time in college because I wanted the things that all the other kids had. So I nannied some families, and they had different faiths. And I nannied for a Jewish family, um, I nannied for a family that was atheist. Um, and I just, was so judgmental about it like how can you not teach your children and I'm sure I didn't come about it from the right perspective because you know it was all it was the guilt and the fear in me and um, I would go to it was called University Baptist and I remember that I liked being there but I did not go for the right reasons I did not get involved I did not ask to be involved. I did not do anything to grow my faith during the week. It was a checklist mentality that I had gone to church on Sunday because otherwise I felt too much guilt and fear to not be there. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And so I always wanted to be in church. Um, and I would say probably the first time as in my adult life when I really started exploring my faith and what it would mean to me was... Um, when I got pregnant with Harrison and I joined a Bible study and um, that's when Joel started going to church with me and I had always gone before that but he didn't come with me and um, so I got pregnant with Harrison and we started going to this church in Nashville it was very 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 traditional and we like to call it academic worship um, you know they it was a Presbyterian church they would proceed in you know carry the cross Um And we liked it, but mostly why we liked it was because of our Sunday school teacher. And he had a very good story. He had been a personal trainer um, for some big Falcons players when he lived in Atlanta. And he said, you know, I was just living this life, and it was great and wonderful, but I was missing something. And so he one day woke up, and he was like, you know, I'm this party guy. I'm the party fun guy. I go out and do all these heathen things, but there's a part of me that's missing. And so he told everyone, I'm going to seminary. And he got married after that. And he was a um, preacher and um, was uh, part of the uh, Presbyterian Church. And he taught our Sunday school class. And it was called Enjoying Marriage. And you could go from early dating to being married for 50 to 65 years. And there was just a lot of grace. There was a lot of forgiveness and a lot of, you know, you should live your live your life that's pleasing to God, but he's not this mean angry God who's mad at you all the time. So, um fast forward a little bit and um I'm not saying this cuz you're sitting beside me, Steve. I tell everybody, but the only reason we came to the Baptist uh, first Baptist church was because Joel's mother came here. And at first, it was a little bit easy. Because, you know, we had Harrison and she liked to go to church with him. But we had visited through the years as we came back too, and I always liked your preaching style. Because when I left, I just felt very, um, I guess enlightened is not the right word, but I just inspired. I wanted to go out and be, you know, the Christian that I wanted to be in my heart. And so I had all this hope and I knew that there was grace and I should treat people with grace that. I'm giving also. And so, um, you know, Baptist in my brain is associated with strict Southern Baptist that you can't do anything or, you know, you've got to be at the altar as the 12-year-old child who's asking for forgiveness every Sunday. And so I just loved First Baptist and it was honestly the very first place up until that point where I felt like I was at home and people loved me. And you could make a mistake, and you could come back again, but that you, know, you weren't going to be thrown to the fire every single time somebody thought you had done something wrong. So I love it here.
0: Great. We're glad you're here. And a, I, thank you. That's a great story. So many people have a similar story of mm-hmm. being in very hard churches, angry, judgmental churches. Right. It's hard to get that out of your system. It takes a long time.
1: It's very hard.
0: Yeah. It kind of stays with you. It does. Yeah.
1: And then I have a hard time because the people who were there, I mean, they are, you know, cornerstones of my growing up, and I loved them, Mm -hmm. and they're very good people. Yeah. But that's what they had been taught, so that's what they continued to teach. That's right. And, you know, this is the only church in the community, so that's where everybody went. That was what they thought was their only option. Yeah. So.
0: Well, good. We, uh, have always tried to stress grace.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We certainly try to hold ourselves accountable to do the right things. Right. That's important. But we come out on the grace side of this and we've all made mistakes and mess up and God is good and loves us anyway. That's what I think. And that's what I think too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And my, my parents, when I was 17 or 18, they converted um, to Mormonism. And um, I had a hard time with that because at first I thought, well, you've always told me I have to go to this, you know, this one thing. And now you've switched on me. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand. Now you've got new rules. Why, Why did I have to live by those rules when, you know, you switched? But I don't have any, like, I guess, illness about the fact that they went to a different church. Now, once I got over it. Yeah. And, um, you know, when they come to town, they come to church with me, and they love coming to First Baptist. And um, what I like about it is that they, they are welcome, and um, they don't try to convert me. They're happy in their faith, and they know that I'm very happy in mine, and um, they support that. So uh,
0: Christopher did an interview with our youth a few weeks ago. And asked them what they like about our church. And one thing they said was that we're so welcoming of everybody.
1: I agree so with they, that. So they they noticed
0: that. Mm-hmm. The young people noticed that. Yeah. That's really cool.
1: And I tell people that all the time, friends who don't have a church home yeah. um, or friends who are looking for a new church home. And i will say, well, you really need to come to First Baptist. Here's what we have that's so great. And they'll say, well... Yeah, I grew up Baptist, and I'm not sure. And I'm like, it is not the Baptist church yeah. that you grew up no. with. We have Thank a tra- traditional worship service, but it is so full of hope and grace, and we are so welcoming, and you can find a place to fit in. I feel like our tagline ought to be, not that kind of Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> just to let yeah. people know. know. Yeah, and no. you know, then there's there's nothing wrong with that kind of Baptist too, you know? Absolutely. So, um, right. yeah, I, I encourage people to come because I just... I love it and I do feel very at home and now when I feel guilt about missing church it's not because it's a a guilt that you know somebody else put in me it's a guilt that I know I should be here because I want to be here. Not a guilt because somebody Cause said you supposed to. Because you seen me at to.
0: Sunday lunch. That's right. And you got you've been playing tennis and of <laughs> all tennis. people <laughs> to run into the preacher on Sunday lunch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that does happen, by the way. Does it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I wish yeah. I played tennis. Yeah. I probably didn't even know what tennis was until late high school.
0: Really. Mhm. Wow.
1: Yeah, I played little league because we didn't have
0: softball. Yeah.
1: Um, and. Uh,
0: Small town. Mm-hmm. I love Roseville. that you refer
1: to them as villages Because I think that really sets the scene For how rural it really is Oh yes We, it, we had no To this day there's not a police station It is um, We have a state trooper That a, uh, one. <laughs> well there might be more now But when I was little there would be a state trooper And a sheriff's deputy mm-hmm. who patrolled All these little island villages And Barney
0: five.
1: Pretty much and so, if there was um, a an emergency, you know, down on the island, way down where you get on the ferry to go up the Outer Banks, and then one closer in, they could be forty minutes apart. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so like been for yourself kind of stuff. True. But you could speed home if you were about to miss curfew because there was nobody to catch you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Yep. And uh but it really, really, truly was small. Um there were no stoplights. Um, I probably drove to the corner store when I was thirteen. Um mm. to get a Pepsi.
0: Hmm.
1: Um I probably was I probably was thirteen. Yeah. When I took driver's ed, the uh, instructor said, this is not the first time you've driven a car, is it? I was like, no, sir. He's like, how long have you been driving? And I said, on roads or like on rural land? He's like, either. The first time I drove a car, I was probably eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I drove him from church every Sunday. And not in my daddy's lap. He was sitting beside me at about 12 years old. He would let us drive home. But cool. you had three stop signs. Yeah. Three right turns
0: what bad could happen what could go wrong with that
1: that's right, right? and yeah. chances are you couldn't get anywhere anyway because people were stopped in the road talking yeah. so you'd have to wait for them <laughs> to stop that. and <laughs> then you could go on but it it was very quaint and it's still very small um and I didn't realize how great I had it as a kid I mean we had free reign of the sounds and the marshes and things like that to play in and um you didn't have to keep up with the Joneses because the Joneses didn't have anything either. Um, now, once I got to high school, you know there there were more issues like that because people from town mm-hmm. had more. That's where like the more um, professional people um, lived, and um, you know there were times that my family had a lot, and then there were times that you know we waited in line for um, welfare cheese and peanut butter. And, um, you know, my friend down the street didn't make fun of it. And she might be getting peanut butter the month after we were. You know, it it just depended. And there were lots of commercial fishermen. There were lots of um, people who were just really good, hardworking, honest people that didn't have a lot of money. And um, I knew that money didn't make you happy. And it didn't make you better than other people. Um, but my parents also tried to teach me that, which I, I appreciate to this day, to treat everyone the same. And whether it's the garbage man or the janitor or the CEO that runs the company, um, they all should be treated the same no matter what their social status or financial status is because it takes all of them to run it. Yeah. And so I've tried to translate that into just everyday life. Um, for example, our, our church or our community. When I go out in the community, I'm not any nicer to someone that I think has a lot of money or try to get on their good side any more than I would be, you know, a checkout clerk at a store. And I think it's important to teach that to our children. Yeah. And um, I also think that translates into our church because... Um, I think that that is taught here, too, to treat everyone equally the way that you'd want to be treated. And we teach it from, you know, even in the little classrooms. Um, And I think it's an important skill that they can take with them. Maybe not a skill, but a a mindset. Um, I heard a story recently from a friend that had a job. She doesn't need a job um financially. She was doing it to help out. But the person in charge I'm not gonna put any titles on her you'll know what I'm talking about and I don't wanna tell, but the person in charge treated her very unkindly until he found out that she didn't need to be there and who she was. And then he started treating her nicely and she asked a coworker, Did you tell him something? And she said, yes, I told him he didn't need to be mean to you because the way he was treating you was not like somebody who needed to be here. And she said, I knew someone had told him because now he's made an about turn and it's so much nicer to me. And I think that's wow. sad that it's 2019 yeah. 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 and we still treat people like that.
0: Yeah. yeah. yeah so. uh, this has been really good. Oh. It's been about 20 minutes, so I'm just going to Sunday just play this part. Oh really? Yeah, it'd be a great sermon. <laughs> they might fall asleep. Yeah. No, they might love it. <laughs> wow. What a great story. Well thank you. Thank you for your time.
1: Thank Absolutely. you. Yeah. Yes, good to talk to y'all.